Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We are working on this situation, okay? I want to let you know it's not an it's not a cheap venture that we're carrying out. We are wanting to get um, duck work in, installed and all of these things, but we have to take one step at a time. We're getting very, very close to sealing the deal on the building and getting the loan on that and everything. So then after that, we will be able to move forward with getting the air conditioning units replaced and those kind of things, which need to be done because these things are ancient. They're almost as old as I am. So they're old. No, they're not that old, but they are old. In, in air conditioning time, they are. They're ancient. But they're still doing the job, and we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're not burning up in here. If you got your Bibles this morning, which I, I trust that you do, I hope that you do. In Psalm 127, there's a passage of Scripture beginning in verse 1. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. In the second verse, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. For he gives to his beloved, beloved sleep. My Bible has uh, in italics, even in his sleep. Verse 3, Behold, children are an inheritance of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand a warrior of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. I want to stop right there. I want to kind of explain a couple of things to you. When you see that word house, it's kind of used interchangeably to speak not only of a, a dwelling place, or a meeting place. But I think in this context is speaking of the house of, such as the house of Abraham, the house of this. <laughs> it's the word baith. Baith means house. It means the house of like Abraham. In Genesis, we see where Abraham had told the Lord. In Genesis 15, 1 through 5, he says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all the blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took him outside and said to him, Look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you, Father God, for your goodness Thank you for the promises that you've given us, which in you are always yes and amen. For you are a God who makes promises and you cannot lie and you will not change. Lord, you are a God who is eternal and your words are eternal. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 
So when we think about this, we think about children. Behold, children. And when you, how many have ever heard, have seen the movie Ben-Hur? Anybody seen the movie Ben-Hur? Do you know what, you know who Ben-Hur was? Her. Ben was the son of her. Ben. Bain. Bain her. He was the son of. He was the son of her. So that's what that was his namesake, Ben Her. And so, you know, uh, we, we, we understand that now. I've given you a little bit of education there. So children or the bane are a gift. That word gift is an inheritance or a priceless heirloom of the Lord. How many have priceless heirlooms in your family? My mother gave me something one time. She handed it to me. And she said, this was your great, great, great grandfather's. And it's a watch. Well, I took it to see if I could have it rebuilt, maybe see if it was valuable. And the guy looked at it and said, well, yeah, it's an old railroad watch. He said, it's an antique, but it has no intricate value. In other words, there's no silver in it. There's, no, there's some jewels in it, but all the watches of those days had jewels because they wouldn't wear out. And he, but he says there's no real value in the watch as far as monetary value. But to me, it's a priceless heirloom. Amen. To me, it's important because it represents something of, of my ancestry. It belonged to my great, great, great grandfather. I mean, you know. I don't know how far back that goes. That goes back a long way. But it's only, it's something that I have a value. It's like two kids were talking one day, you know, and the little girl was bragging and she's like, she says, my, my daddy has something of, you know, it was passed on, that belonged to her great, 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 great grandfather. He said, well, that's nothing. He said, my, I have, my daddy's got something older than that. She said, what's that? He said, he's got Adam's apple. <laughs> But we have those heirlooms. We have those precious things that God has given. That's what children are. The fruit of the womb is a reward that God gives us. Children are a reward. Look at Abraham. Abram said, if I don't have someone to inherit all that I have. See, Abram had become very, very wealthy. God had blessed him so much. Were it that we were like Abraham. Well, guess what? You are. Galatians chapter 3 says that the blessings of Abraham have been passed on to us through Christ. So we are heirs together with Jesus Christ. What does Jesus own? What does he own? He owns it all. He owns it all. In him we live and move and have our being. It, all things were created by him and for him and through him and by him all things were made and without him nothing was made that was made. So he is all in all. So anybody that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So we understand that God is. Everybody say he is. When he says I am, he is. Understand that? I am. He is. God says that. Well, Jesus said, before Abram was, I am. They got mad at him for it, but he said it anyway. He said it in truth. And it is the truth. So what we have then is we have a gift of God that are like an heirloom that he passes on to us. And children also are this. They are like arrows in the hand of of a warrior. 
They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Do you know how important arrows were to a warrior? Do you understand that? The warriors had to make their own arrows. They weren't just, they couldn't go to Walmart and buy them. They couldn't get them online. They had to make them. And there was a process that they had to go through to make those arrows. And believe me, if you were a warrior in those days, you wanted those arrows to be precise. You wanted them to hit their target when you shot them, right? You didn't want to just go, you know, you got one that's bow-legged like a dog bone or something, and you shoot it, and it goes like this. They wanted that thing to fly straight because their life depended on it. Their life depended on it. And so children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. In the hand. That word hand is the word yod. When you see that word yod, what does it mean? When we, when we ordain someone, we mele yod them. Well, you know that word mele yod is, is, is it's a transference of the authority of God into the hand of the person that we are ordaining. So there's something of impartation there. We have authority, and we have authority as parents, and those children are like arrows in our authority. And so like a warrior who, is, who has to build his own arrows, and in order for those things to fly straight, there's a process that they have to go through. I was watching this thing a few weeks ago on the, on the, on, on, um, you okay, brother? <laughs> you meant to do it, I understand. Cool. I was watching this show on, on um, I forget the, the, um, One of those channels, anyway, uh, the uh, National Geographic. And they were in Alaska, and this couple were living off the land. And they were doing everything off the land, so they had to make some arrows. And I watched this process that they had to go through to build a bow and an arrow. And it was quite interesting to see because, you know, we think about, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go out and, and we would just grab a stick and we would bend that thing and take a piece of hay rope and make an air, a bow out of it and go grab a couple of, of, of weeds out of the field. You know, those old stiff things that had the ball on them, we'd sharpen them up and shoot them at each other. They're crazy kids. But anyway, that was our bow and arrow. But this was a lot more intricate than that. It was a process that they had to go through. They had to, she would go and she would find these, these pieces of wood just as straight as she could possibly get them. And some of them wouldn't be absolutely straight. So what she would have to do is she would have to, to get the bark off of them and put them over a flame and put them through a process of, of, of tension so that they would become straight. And they had to be absolutely straight. And then she would take these, these little pieces of feathers and she would put them in the ends of the arrow so that, so that it would keep the thing straight when it flew. And, and they just had to have just the right amount of weight in the arrowhead so that it would hit its target. I'm just thinking, wow, this is amazing to see how to go. So, so that just brought to my mind, as I was thinking about this message, how important it is that we do the same thing with our children because they are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. We have to get them ready so that when we release them, they're going to reach their destination. They're going to reach the target that we've intended and that God has intended for their life. One of the things that we have here, the reason when you walk through that door and you see the sign there, our mission is to help you to find and fulfill your God-given destiny. And the same thing should be the mission of every parent is to help their children to find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Not what you want for them, but what God wants for them. Amen? 
I know people today, I know grown men who struggle with their own identity because they were driven by a father who wanted to live vicariously through them and to make a sports star out of them to the degree that they couldn't even attain. But they want them to be better than them. So they're driven and they drive their kids and they, and they drive them so much that they exasperate them. And they get to the point, they're like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm over it. And they have this bitterness. They have this angst against their fathers because they were driven so hard to be something that God never intended for them to be. It's up to the Lord to determine our destiny. But we have to find, we have to seek, and we have to find out what that is that God has for our children. And, you know, the best thing to do is before they're even born is to ask the Lord the question, what is it that you have in mind for this child? What is it that you have in mind for this child? It's important because they're like arrows in our hand, and they have a specific target that God is going to point them toward. And we have the authority, that we have the, we have the means to, to fashion them into what God wants them to be. So how many of you are familiar with a verse of Scripture in Proverbs that's, that says, spare the rod and spoil the child? How many are familiar with that? Can, can somebody tell me where that Scripture is located? Can someone point me to it? Spare the rod and spoil the child. Can somebody find it for me? First person to find it, just stand up and read it. Where is it? Anybody know where it's at? It's not there. It's not in the Bible. We say that it is, but it isn't. It's an old wise saying that, spoil the rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. I think our teachers were the first ones to come up with it. At least mine were. Because they practiced it. I was on the receiving end many times. Not that I deserved it. Believe that, don't you? If you believe that, I want to see you after church. I got something I want to sell you. No, it's not there. But, but, there is scripture. Where does it say? But it doesn't say spare the rod and spoil the child. You're close. You're close. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son. Wow. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in. He who spares his rod hates his son but he who loves his son disciplines him diligently. Wow. Well, I thought if I spanked my kids, it was a sign that I didn't like them. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite because our children have to go through that process just like that arrow sometimes had to be held to the heat. It has to have that tension. It has to have those boundaries in its life so that it can be straightened out and kept in the direction that it's supposed to go. Because Proverbs 22, 6, and perhaps you've heard this, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Anybody ever heard that verse of Scripture? So what does it do? What does it mean to train up? 
It means to fashion and form and bend the will of that child. So that when he's old, he will fly toward his destiny. He will fly toward his target and he will hit it. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You are a warrior that God has given strong and powerful authority to. You have the authority of God to discipline those children. You're God's hand at work in the life of your children. And if you don't discipline your children, what does it say? You hate them. You hate them. God, you hate your kids? Wow. That's a a strong word. The word train up is the word shalok. Kanok, it means to, to initiate or to discipline, to narrow, to narrow. Wow. To narrow. But we want to allow our children to expand their minds and experience other things in life. Well, I don't have to experience a broken leg to know I don't want one. I don't have to experience certain things in life to to know that I don't want them. And if I were so inclined as a child to climb up on top of the barn and want to jump off, and my dad said, son, don't do that. Why? Well, if you even attempt it again, I'm going to spank your behind. Why? Because he knows if I jump off, I'm going to get hurt. He's trying to establish boundaries. He's trying to protect me. And that's what boundaries are for. That is the straight. That is to initiate. We have to take the initiative with our children because our children have not yet learned by reason of wisdom and knowledge and understanding certain things in their life that they need our guidance. We help them to understand I remember when I was a little boy, my mother had, she would always set a pot of beans on top of the stove. We had this pot belly stove. And, um, but, you know, we had to heat the house with it. So it was a good place to bake beans. She didn't have to light up the stove in the kitchen. She'd just use that. And so she would tell me, son, don't get close to that pot. Leave that pot alone. Well, My curiosity got the best of me one day. When she wasn't looking, I thought, I'm going to see what she's got in that pot. And I was just tall enough to just barely reach up and grab that thing. And I grabbed that pot and I started to do like this. And, of course, when I did, all that hot water came down and hit me on the chest. I can hardly grow hair there now. So (laughs) mom knew what she was talking about. It was hot. I wish I would have listened to mom. She set a boundary for me, and I stepped over the boundary. I got hurt. That is what boundaries are for. And that's why we as a parents have the authority. We have the yah, the authority of God to deal with our children. And Paul gives us some familial advice in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. In other words, your parents won't kill you. (laughs) Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. 
It takes discipline on both ends in dealing with children. It takes discipline as a parent. It takes discipline as a child. One is on the receiving end, and the other is always on, on, also on the receiving end. Because we have to learn how to control our emotions when we're dealing with our children. Because we don't want to exasperate them. We don't want to hurt them. We want to help them. As the Word says in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah, we, we love that verse of Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to give to you a hope and a future. Who's he talking to? He's talking to a nation that has been insolent, has been rebellious against God, and they are being led away into captivity. And he's telling them, when you go, submit yourself to those who've captured you. Submit yourself and understand that this is the will of God, that this is God's discipline upon you as a nation. And understand also that I have plans for you. I don't plan to leave you there forever. I'm going to leave you there for 70 years, but I'm bringing you back. But when I bring you back, you're going to have a change of heart. In other words, you're going to the woodshed, kids. But I got plans for you. Plans to prosper you and to give to you a hope and a future. If you don't believe it, read it in the context that it is written. That's what it's written about. So sometimes God has to take us to the Holy Ghost woodshed because he has a plan for us not to harm us, but to help us, to train us up. We have to do the same thing with our own children. We have to train them. We have to discipline them. And we have to do it diligently. That word diligently, what does that mean? Do it with diligence. In other words, you don't discipline one time and think that carries them for the rest of their life. If I just take them out and half kill them, they'll remember it for the rest of their life and they will never again be mischievous. Is that what? No, 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 no. A thousand times no. It means that we set boundaries and we mean it. None of this, okay, that's one. I told you, now that's two. One more time, and you're going to get it. And then what happens? That third time, we fly into a rage, and they get it. But we don't get it. Because we have done something that has exasperated them. We have allowed them to challenge our authority. And they know how far they can push the button. And they have extended the boundaries farther than we ever intended them to go. So it's important that as parents we establish boundaries and that we maintain those boundaries. Now, what is a boundary? It's a fence. You don't go over that fence. You know? I'm preaching better than your amen. And Colossians chapter 3 Colossians 3, or Ephesians and Colossians are like sister, sister letters that Paul wrote. They were written about the same time, so they've generally got about the same context in them. If you read the Ephesians, you read Colossians, pretty, very, very close. They've even got some of the same wording in some of the, some of the passages of Scripture, like uh, Ephesians 4.32 and, and, and Colossians uh, 3.16 uh, or 3.13. It, we, we see some of the same Scriptures there. And, and the, but this is, this is one passage of Scripture. is almost like Ephesians 6.1-4. through It says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 
Fathers, do not exasperate or aggravate your children. This may cause that they may not lose heart. Fathers, do not exasperate or aggravate your children that they may not lose heart. Raising godly children in a godless world is not an easy task. It's not easy. Because there's so many influences, there's so many things that can influence our children. And, and, and sometimes we have the propensity to want to, to protect our children to the gr- degree that we don't expose them to anything outside. You know, it's almost like when we were kids growing up, you know, our mother, we would get up in the morning, she'd say, kids, get your clothes on. We'd get our clothes on. She'd say, go on outside, play. So we'd go out and play. And we knew what time it was to eat, so we'd come in and eat, and then we'd go back outside. You know, you know what we discovered? I saw snakes. I saw foxes. I saw all kinds of animals that could bite you. I even experienced some pain at times. But I learned because mom allowed us to go outside and experience it. Some things I learned you don't, you don't do. You know, like take a broom and knock down a wasp nest. You don't do that. Anybody ever tried that? You don't do it. It's stupid. You know how I learned it was stupid? Experience is a great teacher. What's a better teacher is when somebody tells you, don't do that, it's stupid, and you listen. That's better. That's a better teacher. But sometimes we just got to push the boundaries a little bit, and we got to experiment, but we find out some things, don't we? Yeah. And there's pain involved. Children, obey your parents. It's not easy, but children have to be raised. And there's so many opinions, outside opinions of, of how children to be raised. And you know what I think about opinions, don't you? The same thing y'all do. Everybody has them. And some of them stink, and I won't go any further than that. Everybody has an opinion. You know, one of the most famous child psychiatrists one of the ones that we listen to the most in our society, and everybody gets out his textbook when it comes to raising children. I believe his name was Dr. Benjamin Spock. You know, he never had any children but one, and that child committed suicide. I don't think that I want to get my information from someone who does not believe in God, who does not believe in disciplining children, and who was unsuccessful in raising his own son. I don't believe I want to buy his books. I don't believe it's going to help me very much. So we have to be very careful about where we get our information from. Now, as I told you last week, the best place to get your information on anything dealing with the human being is to go to the master's manual, the creator's manual. The one who created us should know how to help us, right? He should know what's best for us. And he says, spare the rod and spoil the child. Oh, he doesn't say that. Spare the rod. He who spares the rod hates his child. So what is a rod? Well, I had to look that up too because I really wanted to know. I've heard people say, well, it it doesn't literally mean a rod. It does too. I hate to bust your bubble, but it does. It literally means a rod or something detached from a tree. 
That's what it means. Wow. My dad used to send me out and say, son, go get, you, go get a hickory stick and bring it back. I just never learned. I'd go out and I'd find one that was good and limber and would break apart real easy. Maybe find one off of a boxwood tree or something, bring it in. And you just barely could skin the thing without it falling apart. And I hand that to Dad. He said, well, I see that I'm going to have to do it myself. And Dad would go out and he would look for an oak and bring half of it back inside. All right, bend over, son. <laughs> I finally learned after a while that Dad meant business. And boy, he knew how to handle a rod, I tell you, he did. And I, as I look back now and I think about all the times that I was taken to the woodshed and things that happened in my life, and, and sometimes, you know, when you're on the receiving end of discipline, when you're on the receiving end of a whipping, as a kid, I never got a whipping that I deserved. Anybody ever? You know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? I mean, when you're six, seven, eight years old, you get a whipping. It's like, what? you know, we, we feel like we didn't deserve what we got. But as you grow older and you look back and you think about, you know, there were things that I did that I should not have done that I was disciplined for. But you know what it did? It stopped it right in its tracks. Because I knew that if I did it again, I knew what was coming. It was a strong deterrent. It was a boundary line. It was like an electric fence. Anybody ever had experience with an electric fence? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially at night. You wonder where the boundaries are. You just walk far enough. You'll find it. same way with boundaries set for us, set for our children. We have to establish those boundaries and they have to be well enforced, but they have to be clear. They have to be clear boundaries. Children need to know what's expected of them. And once they know what's expected of them, then we have to reinforce that. That's what the rod of correction is for. It's for correction. It's not for punishment. It's for correction. Sometimes it felt like punishment. But I thank God that I had a daddy and mama that loved me enough to punish me when I needed it, even though I didn't think I did at those times. But I'm thankful now that I did. Children are to be nurtured and handled with care. They need firm discipline administered in love. We can't force feed our children. We can't, we can't uh, tell them, do this just because I say do it. They need positive examples to follow. We set the pace for them. We, they are like war, uh, arrows in the hand of the warrior. Where do we carry our arrows as warriors? We carry them on our back, close to us, right? Why? Because they're valuable. We kept our arrows back here because they're valuable. We didn't want somebody stealing them from the front. We wanted them to be ready when we needed them, when they were ready to be released. And God knows when they are needed and when we need to release them. You know, children have to be nurtured and brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but there is a time when, like the hand of the warriors, the arrows in the hand of the warrior, 
they need to be released in order to hit their target. Doesn't do us good to carry them around in a quiver forever. Oh, look at my kids. Look at my quiver. I got it full. Isn't that cool? How old are you, kid? I'm 35. No, he should have been released a long time ago. His feathers are starting to fall out. He's not reaching his destiny. How old are you, Sheila? I'm 27. Well, you're ready. <laughs> time to let you go. You know, there's a time and a place for us to release the children that God has put in our care. This thing just fell off. That's okay. Can you hear me? Okay. God has called us to fashion, to form, to commit to our children, to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And Moses instructed the people of Israel concerning the commandments of the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. And he says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you to today. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Commitment to the commandments of the Lord, commitment to the things of the Lord, the principles of godliness that we present to our children is a strong commitment that we have to carry, that we have to be willing to carry forth if we are going to be able to release our children so that they can reach their destiny. He says, I repeat them, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them to your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Keep the word of the Lord always before your children and walk in it yourself so that they'll follow your example. That's what he was saying. Keep the word of the Lord ever before you. Walk in it so that the kids can see. I understand how difficult it is to raise children. I've raised a couple of them myself. We're helping to raise our grandkids. Not that they're at my house all the time, but when they are, we try to love on them as much as we can. Discipline them when we have to. But we care for them. We love them. It's important. How do they know that we love them? Because we take the time to tell them. We take the time to share with them the whys and the why nots. But more importantly, we try to model for them what it is to walk in the ways of the Lord so that they can see examples that they can follow. Because we understand that our children are arrows in our hands like the arrows in the hands of a warrior. And the thing about our children, when, we, when they grow up, the writer of Psalm 127 says that we won't fear our enemies at the gate. We have no fear of our enemies at the gate. There'll come a point in our lives, brothers and sisters, when we're going to need our kids as much as our kids need us. And that relationship has to be strong. They will become the arrows in your hand. They will be the ones who protect you in the gates. They will be the ones who will honor you and care for you when you reach that point in life. That's that part of honoring your parents. Honor them. Take care of them. Jesus rebuked the, uh, the Pharisees one time because of that very thing. 
He says, you tithe even of the mint and the cumin. If you look at mint and cumin, that's little tiny things, right? He says, you tithe right down to the very, you take a tenth of the mint, you take a tenth of the cumin, and you tithe that, and yet you neglect the weightier matters of the law. In that, you take what should be given to your parents, and you dedicate it to the temple. Wow, that's a strong word, isn't it? So it's important that we not only as children grow up honoring our parents, but as they get older, we still honor them always. We're not released once we walk out the door from honoring our parents. We're to take care of them. We're to love them always. Honor means that you bestow upon them the highest respect, honoring them always. There's certain things I wish I would have known when I was a kid that I didn't know. That's why I have opportunity now to teach others. Maybe I can help you to discover things that I didn't do well. Maybe you can do it better, and that's really what we're hopeful of, right? Each generation, it's just like when we have auto mechanics. You know, we, we're constantly learning how to make things better, even though it looks like it's not. Well, we say, well, cars today just don't last. I beg your pardon. When I was a kid growing up, if you had a car that got 100,000 miles on it, you were doing really, really good. Now we got cars that go three, 400,000 miles, you know. They cost a lot more. I understand that, but they are better in that respect. How did we learn that? Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Well, here's, here's something for you that will help you. The rod of correction correctly applied to the seed of understanding bringeth forth wisdom and knowledge. It'll help us. God disciplines us. We have to discipline our children in the same way. Why? Because we love them. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You're blessed. How many have children in here today? Praise the Lord. Some some got some on the way, right? Not long, Tasha. She said, how long, O Lord? (laughs) How beautiful, how sweet, how precious are those children. But more importantly, they they are our heritage of the Lord. They're the heirlooms that God has given us. Of all the things that God has given us and all the blessings that Becky and I have had in our life, I can honestly say that the greatest blessing we have is our sons and our grandchildren. There's nothing else in this life that I could ever point to and say, thank you, Jesus, for the blessings that you have given us. Our sons and our grandchildren would be the greatest thing I could ever point to. And to see how God is molding and shaping them and see the men of God that they have become, to see our grandchildren growing up and becoming men and women of God is just amazing to see, to sit back and watch that, to see. But you know what? It's not happening by osmosis. It's happening because there's a determination to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that's what it takes. So I want to encourage you this morning. And I understand, folks, that that sometimes no matter how hard we try, it seems like it doesn't happen. But listen to this. Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they won't depart from it. That word will not return unto God void. He said the things that come out of his mouth. 
He said, they will, they will not return unto me void, but they will accomplish that that I send it forth to do. Rest on the promises of God and know that, that your children are still in God's hands, even though they're out from under yours. And continue to pray for them. Continue to believe God for them. I'll never forget on August the 15th, 1975, when my mother's prayers became fruitful in the fact that I would walk in in the middle of the night, I'd hear my mother praying and calling out my name. And to see how God miraculously brought about my salvation, I know that it was the prayers of my mother that brought about the salvation of my brother, who brought about the salvation of my friend, who brought about my salvation because they stood in prayer and agreement for me. You see how it works? It all works in harmony with the will of God. And that's what God will do when we stand in faith and believe him. And when my mother was on her deathbed the day before she died, and I asked her the question, Mom, what would you want me to pray for? How would you like for me to pray? She said, Son, I'm tired. I want to go home. And she said, I'm, I'm concerned about my children and my grandchildren. I said, Mama, how many prayers have you prayed for them? She says, I don't know, but I've prayed a lot. I said, Yes, you have, Mama. But you know, God is faithful, and he's heard every one of those prayers. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in, in the book of Revelation that our prayers, the prayers of the saints, are like incense going up before the Father. Every one of those prayers that we have prayed, every one of them have been heard by him. Every one of them have been answered by him. Maybe we don't see the fruit of that answer yet, but it's coming. If you will stand in faith and you will believe God. Believe for your children. Believe for your husband. Believe for your family. Don't release them to the enemy. Don't give up. Stand in faith and believe God and do everything you can, everything you can to fashion those children. Train them up. Bend their will toward God. Bend their will toward God. God will do the rest. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. I know how difficult it is. It's not easy. God never said it would be easy, did he? He never did. But I want to pray for you this morning because it's important that we stand in the gap for our children. We stand in the gap for our families. And what I want you to do this morning, I want, each, I want you to stand. And right where you are, I want you just to kind of maybe form some little groups of prayer. And we're going to pray for one another. This is important. We're going to pray for one another this morning. Because I know you folks. I know most of you anyway. And I know some of the struggles that we have with our families, with our children, and some of the heartbreak that we have when we see our children walking not in the will of God, and, and, and we want to see them that You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.